Daily Tap is live for Monday. We are going to talk about Grayson Allen's revenge tour in Chicago, what that means for the Bucks going forward, what can we take away from Game 4 as well as the weekend, and look ahead to Game 5 as well as that impending series likely with the Boston Celtics. We will also go over the Milwaukee Brewers' good weekend against the Philadelphia Phillies, why I actually think this is a better weekend than maybe people are giving it credit for. And lastly, we'll talk about IPAs because the internet was all a buzz. And yeah, we're going to get a little beer snobby with Chuck's Corner. Before we do, just a reminder that we are on social media, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook. Uh, those a little slower than Twitter. Twitter, we're moving a mile a minute. We're always talking on Twitter, hanging out in the community. Hope you guys join us there. Um, also, make sure that you're leaving some ratings and reviews. We'd really appreciate it. It, ha- it helps us get visibility. If you're not going to rate and review, could you at least share it with a friend? Maybe say, hey, look, this is a great sports podcast that I enjoy. I think you guys would like this if you're a Wisconsin sports fan or if you're even if you're not. And if you are new for the first time, welcome. I hope you subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, let's talk about Grayson Allen. Nothing is funnier than rubbing it in Chicago's faces. I actually think it's funnier than rubbing it in Minnesota's faces. And when I say the city, I mean their fan base, of course. Aaron Rodgers famously yelled out, I own you, to the Chicago Bears fans after scoring a touchdown this year. It feels like Grayson Allen should have done the same thing to the Chicago Bulls fans at the United Center. Grayson Allen, who is enemy number one for Bulls fans and getting booed left and right, fired him up and he absolutely went off this weekend. And it continued on Sunday. Grayson Allen had six made threes. He had 27 points. He was absolutely out of his mind. And the Bucks needed some guys to step up. They needed more support after that game two calamity. And they got it from Grayson Allen. And Grayson Allen was absolutely out of his mind this weekend. And he, to me, won the weekend. I know that I'm probably biased. But honestly, I feel like no one, t- no one made a bigger leap in terms of the playoffs than Grayson Allen. And now I know some of them could say, and Mitch joked about it on Twitter, that it's the Bryn Forbes MVP Memorial when Bryn Forbes went off in the first round and then was never heard from the rest of the playoffs last year. I think it's a little bit different because Grayson Allen can play a little bit of defense. I think Grayson Allen can do more than just shoot threes. Like Bryn Forbes just could shoot threes. But the fact is, when a guy gets rolling in the playoffs, it's one of the more special things. We saw with Pat Connaughton last year, right? Pat Connaughton all of a sudden became like Steve Kerr for the Milwaukee Bucks. It was incredible. It was fun to watch. And I think Grayson Allen can sustain a version of this. I don't think Grayson Allen's going to average 20 a game for the entire playoffs. But the guy has been in these situations before. He won a championship at Duke. He's been in big games in college. He He's built for this. And I do think he is prepared for this moment. And you could be like, Charlie, college doesn't matter. NBA playoffs, it's different. Sure. But I, I do think that like he knows the brevity of this situation. He doesn't look scared to be out there. Like Kobe White looks scared to be out there. Like Kobe White should not see another minute 
in the for the Chicago Bulls. It should be Io DeSumo and nobody else. Kobe White looks absolutely terrified. There is poop directly in his diaper right now. But Grayson does not. Grayson's fearless. He loves it. He's taking in everything. And I do really think he is going to be an integral part of Milwaukee going forward. And this is the type of stuff that you need to win championships. This is the type of thing that gets championships to your doorstep because you have other guys stepping up. Giannis Antetokounmpo was incredible in this game. We'll talk about him in a little bit. But it can't always be Giannis. Giannis can't put the team on his back every game out. Now, there are some situations where he can. He scores 40, he scores 50, and it's just Giannis and it's nobody else. That that can happen. That's still that's on the table, right? Like That's not going away. Giannis has that ability, he has that skill, but he does need other guys, and Grayson Allen showed he could be one of those guys. The same could be said for Bobby Portis, who had another great game with 14 points and 10 rebounds in the second straight start. Mike Budenholzer was basically channeling his inner Mitch. I know we mentioned this on the Game 3 pod recap, but he channeled his inner Mitch saying, put Bobby in the starting lineup. Mitch built a case for it, and he was absolutely right. Now, Portis, he, he had 14 points on 12 shots. They're like, ah, it's not great, but like, they got him into so many good matchups with DeMar DeRozan in the second quarter when the Bucks kind of were starting to establish themselves in this game. They ended up getting that lead up to 15 at halftime and really putting the clamps on Chicago defensively. Chicago could not do anything in that second quarter. And the Bucks were hunting matchups left and right and finding the open man, finding the, the opportunities to make something happen. And then once the game got tightened up, and well, let's stay with Bobby before we before because I want to talk about Giannis, but I want to talk still more about Bobby Portis. Bobby has always been an integral part. Bobby, to me, is as well loved in terms of a player in Wisconsin as anyone. Like I don't know if the legend of Bobby has a ceiling. Like at this point, I wonder if Bobby's number gets retired. It's that crazy. Like. I saw Shafty saying he needs to be a buck for life, and I'm not. I don't. I don't see any lies there. Like, give Bobby an extension. I don't really give a fuck. Like, Bobby is technically the fourth guy. Like, he is that fourth guy. He might not necessarily be always the most efficient dude out there. I know Brooke. You could argue Brooke Lopez is that fourth guy. I could go back and forth, but that's really the Bucks' best five is Bobby. Drew, Giannis, Chris when healthy, and Brooke Lopez. Like those are their five most important players, in my opinion. And Bobby is relishing the starting role. Now he had no problem going to the bench and he started to be comfortable in it really at the tail end of the season, but he likes playing in that starting role. It was interesting with him and Malika Andrews saying that he prefers to be a forward because he'd rather be oversized at the four than be undersized at the five. I thought that that was pretty interesting from Bobby. And I do wonder if the Bucs keep with this rotation for a long time. Like I was thinking about the Boston series for, for a few reasons. Like I was thinking about, okay, so would you play this bigger lineup against Boston who has Tatum, Marcus Smart, Jalen Brown, Rob Williams, Al Horford. You could make a case that maybe you want to go a little bit lighter. So maybe it's Pat Connaughton. Maybe it's Grayson Allen who goes into the starting lineup. And then you put Bobby at the bench. 
But maybe this big lineup where you have Giannis playing the three and then kind of roving on defense, almost like a free, uh, strong safety linebacker combination in football, maybe that is the way to go. Maybe you can keep this up. And I was having a great conversation with my Lyft driver, Augustus. If you ever get Augustus in a Kia Sorento, that guy can talk hoops. That guy talks hoops better than really a lot of casual fans I've met. Like, I almost offered Augustus a podcast. Like, I was like, do you want to just do a pod, man? Like, he was probably, I don't know, he was, he was celebrating his 34th year of marriage on Friday. He was an old guy, but man, he knew everything. and was talking about, like, how the Bucks defended DeRozan. And, like, he even thought, he had the take that he's like, well, should Middleton come off the bench at, when he comes back? And I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? Like, I... It's kind of crazy, but we've kind of seen how Golden State has thrived with Steph Curry in that sort of bench role. Now, I do think at some point they're going to say, all right, Steph, the restrictor plate's off, and they're managing his minutes. But I do wonder, could the Bucs do something similar? Could they look at what the Warriors have done with Steph Curry and insert Chris Middleton? I don't know. Chris does also kill the Celtics, though. So that's, that's part of this as well, where he's had some really good luck against the Celtics defense. Now, they're being heralded as one of the best of all time, and I, I really do hope a lot of the Bucks hear that because I I still think Mike Budenholzer has a coaching advantage, a massive one over M.A. Udoka. I, I understand that Udoka seems like a very good coach. I think he's going to be around for a long time, but this is his first playoffs. Brooklyn is a cakewalk. Brooklyn absolutely quit. I, I'm stunned how bad Brooklyn played on, on Saturday. I bet Brooklyn because I was like, all right, they're going to step up. Like, they're going to finally get off the mat and win this fucking game. And they didn't. They looked lifeless. They are going to get absolutely crushed tonight. And they don't want to be there. Nobody wants to be there. They are already on 1-2-3 Cancun. They actually need a coach, but I mean, I, I don't need to do everything you'll hear from the national media. You guys are, we're here to talk about the Bucks. But yeah, I, I do think that Chris Middleton could be a sneaky asset off the bench, at least to start. I'm not saying that it's the whole year, the rest of the playoffs, but I'm saying maybe at least in those first couple games against Boston, maybe you use Chris Middleton off the bench, similarly what Steph Curry has done for Golden State. I don't think it's a terrible idea, especially with how well Bobby Portis is playing. But we'll see if the combinations are different for the Celtics. As for the Greek Freak, I was mentioning when the game started to get tight, much in large part to the referees. I mean, the refs were terrible today. I think the complaints about the referees across the board is growing. It's getting louder and louder. You heard Taylor Jenkins complain about officiating yesterday, or and then you had Monty Williams tonight who said there was some stuff wrong with the officiating, 42 to 15. Um, but Monty, that's kind of his move. Like, he loves complaining about the officials. That's what he did in the Milwaukee series, too. It's like a dice move for Monty Williams. That's all he's got. And then you also had Embiid with the golf clap with the officials, which is ironic because Joel Embiid basically gets so much help from the officials. And the officials are basically the hand that feeds him. And uh, apparently Embiid's going to bite it. So we'll see how that works out for Joel tonight. Um, but yeah, I, I look at it and the Bucks were plagued by that officiating stuff. And they really should have called it how they saw it. And the Bucks should have got to the line. And they should have easily been up 30 points. But the refs got it close. And the Bulls started making some shots. 
And then Giannis Antetokounmpo said, I'm the best player in the league, and this is this isn't happening. This shit isn't flying. Giannis was absolutely in control of this game, completely took over in that third quarter, and that was really all the Bucs needed. That kind of ended what Chicago was trying to do, and the Bucs got it out to 15 again, and it was sheets. It was over. And Giannis served a reminder this weekend that he's the best player in basketball. And not that I think anyone needed to know that, but just with what happened with Durant, LeBron not being there, like Giannis is the best player in basketball, guys. You have to accept it. And if you haven't accepted it already, I don't know what the fuck you're waiting for. His line tonight was beautiful. 32 points, 17 rebounds, 7 assists. He had... He was 9-12 from the free throw line. He had two blocks. I mean, and he, oh, he did that in 35 minutes. So, he, he, you know, he didn't even necessarily need the whole time to do it. So Giannis was really good um, tonight. And I think Giannis deserves a lot of credit for the way that he's kind of just kept everybody under control. I think I, Giannis is such a great leader. And I think he really sort of flipped the switch with the guys this weekend and told them that this, this is go time now. And they all knew it and they showed up. And that house on on Wednesday is going to be absolutely rocking. And I expect another great Greek Freak performance. Also wanted to shout out Drew Holiday. Drew Holiday had 26 points. He had five made threes, seven assists. Holiday was really good too in this. And to see Drew get going is a really good sign. And that is something we didn't see a ton of in the playoffs last year. Remember, Drew struggled where people were comparing him to Eric Bledsoe. They thought it was like a disease or a curse that point guards in the playoffs couldn't show up. But after a really rough game two and in game one, Drew's been spectacular in the last two games. He had 16 points on in game three with six assists, six rebounds. And then in game four, he has 26 with seven. Uh, so you love to see that. You love to see him get going. He also made, you know, five threes, 68, 62% there on, on game four. So hopefully this is signs of things to come. And at the Bucks kind of figured out what they needed to do against the Chicago team. And then Mike Boonholzer, I talked a little bit about it in the Game 3 recap, but he deserves a lot of credit for how he basically turned it back on Billy Donovan. Like, I thought Billy Donovan made some nice nice adjustments. I think Billy Donovan looked like a little bit of a different team in those first two games, and then the Bucks flipped it on their head, and they, they showed it and put the screws onto Chicago. Other little things... Noticing, I thought Javon Carter had a nice 21 minutes. I realized that he only had three points, but plus 11 in the PER category. He made it really hard on Zach Levine, who was good in that first quarter. It looked like it was like, okay, Zach Levine's going to finally like show up and do something. And then he kind of put the clamps down. I thought Pat Connaughton had a, had a nice day. Uh, he took a couple more to the rack. He did shoot you know, three threes again, but still, Pat's... Pat had a nice day, five and six. Uh, it's getting better. I'm not. We're not quite there yet, but yeah, I think the Bucks are really sort of a solid eight-man team right now with Carter, Connaughton, and Grayson Allen kind of being those three guys and not necessarily needing anybody else. And they may they need a longer bench for the Boston series potentially. We'll see if if they want to try a Jordan Norad moment or if they want to bring in Serge Ibaka. They feel like Ibaka can get a couple fouls or make it a little more difficult on a guy like Tatum 
or Brown in, t- in the lane. I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but right now they seem committed to that eight-man rotation, and I, d- I don't know if, if anything is changing. To move on to game five, is there anything really to worry about? I don't think so. Um, you know, obviously the Bucks played bad at home their first two games. I don't think the Bucks want to go out like that. I think the Bucks need to channel whatever energy they had this weekend in Chicago and bring it to Milwaukee. They can't coast. Um, you know, they can't necessarily just assume Chicago's going to lay down. Like, this is a prideful bunch. This is a scrappy bunch. Like, I don't think Chicago is going to pull Brooklyn. Like, I don't think they're going to lay down here. They are going to fight till the finish. And so the Bucks need to be prepared for that. They need to come out and make sure they deliver the first punch and it's not Chicago. And I hope that's the case. Like, I hope that the focus sort of remains the same now that they're at home. I'm a little nervous that it might not, but I do think that this Bucks team will get it done and have no no real issue, and they'll pull away in the end. And then we're talking about game one, Boston-Milwaukee, probably Friday. I hope it's Saturday. I'm a little nervous between you and I uh, because, so my wife's gone. She's going to be in Dallas starting on Tuesday. So she's going to Dallas, and she comes home Friday night. And if the Bucks and Celtics are game one, I don't know if I can convince her to go to the Broadhouse. Like I am, I we've been we were at the Broadhouse Friday, got a win. We're at home yesterday, so the home record right now is two and one for those who are counting. One and zero at the Broadhouse. So I, I feel good about you know maybe not needing the Broadhouse. But I am worried that I will have to be like, well, you see, the Bucks are playing at 6.30. Now, I also have a two-year-old's birthday party on Saturday, which they'd have the game on. I have no no fear that they'd have the game on if the game was in the middle of the day on two, on Saturday. But I would probably be screaming my dick off. Like, I, I would have to have to be contained. And that that's always it's like a lion you know lying in a cage it's basically like you're wanting to call somebody a motherfucker but you can't because you're around people like i yelled out and one bitch at a family gathering um in game one and i'm sure that that probably drew some shit talk from my parents after like they're probably like can you believe like he he cares this much it's like yeah i fucking do all right like it's just how it goes all right like at some point i'll mellow out but today it's not today. It's not this year. It's not happening this year. Um, that's out the window. Uh, so yeah, I um, we'll we'll not, we'll see what happens, man. Like we'll see we'll see when that game one is because I'm I'm in my ass is in the jackpot unless it's Saturday night. If it's Saturday night, that'll be perfect because it's Saturday night at the Broad House. I lock it in. I'll see you there. No worries. We'll we'll be there, and that that'll be great. And then we'll debate whether we're going upstairs or going outside. Because weather, I think, is going to be kind of questionable next next Saturday. I don't think it's going to be that great. I feel like for the outdoors, you have to be, like, above 65. So, and then the indoor out, I, yeah, I don't know. It's going to it's gonna be a challenge, man. We're going to have to... We're going to have to make plays. We'll figure it out. Just don't, don't worry about me. Your boy will be all right. But yeah, it's, it was a it was a great NBA weekend. I mean, the Suns lost, which is hilarious. They, I mean, Pelicans, man. I I'm kicking myself for not putting in a Pelicans Nuggets parlay today. I liked the Nuggets last second, and then I I think it was because I wasn't that confident in the Nuggets because so I was like, ah, whatever. I'm I think the Nuggets won't lose this one. I think they'll at least be able to pull this out and go back to Golden State because it's really hard to sweep teams 
and we're seeing it. The evidence is there, right? Three, what? Two teams had a chance to sweep this weekend. Uh, Philly, as well as uh, Golden State, and they both came up short. They both lost. Like it, there's a lot of pride. No one wants to get swept, and that to me is like if the Bucks were up three zero and they were playing the Bulls today, I'd be stunned if they swept. Well, maybe I don't know. I don't know if I would because I do think the Bucks are the best team in basketball, and I know people will hype up the Celtics, and the Celtics are going to get a lot of love because of who they played. But the Bucks are the best team. It's far and away, right? To me, if I had to like power rank the playoffs, let's do it. Why not? If I had to power rank playoffs at this point, I would say it is Milwaukee. I would say it's Boston. I would say it's Philadelphia. I would then say Golden State. And you're like, wow, you put Golden State behind Philly. And I would because I think Denver is maybe the worst. Like Chicago, Denver are part of that group that is really not that good playoff-wise. So I'd say Golden State. I would say Dallas next. Um, I think Dallas is playing really, really well. Um, I would then go Miami. So that that puts the heat there. So that fills us out. Um, Miami, very impressive tonight where they were close to Atlanta. And then their defense was phenomenal. Um, And I'm sure Trey Young and the boys are getting ready for Cancun season. Like there is no way that I could see them coming back in Miami for game five. That thing will wrap up in five. So then after Miami, so let's see who else is remaining. So we have Phoenix. New Orleans would be right in that mix and then Memphis and Minnesota. I'd say Phoenix next. I I mean, they are best team in the West. So I I feel like I have to go there. And then I, I might go Minnesota over Memphis. Like that, I don't know if that's sacrilegious, but like the fact of the matter is, is if Minnesota holds their water in game three, they are up 3-1 heading to Memphis. Like that's that's a reality, right? Carl Anthony Towns showed up. He's still a bitch, but he showed up. I, I'll give him credit. I don't think Carl Anthony Towns is a playoff guy. He's our he's our version of Chris Webber. Like Carl Anthony Towns is Chris Webber. Like, if you look at, like, Chris Webber's career and some of the things that Chris Webber did, now I know you're like, well, he was on that great Sacramento team, but still, Chris Webber was not that dude when it came to the late-game situations. Chris Webber did not want to be involved when it came to late-game moments. That was Peja. That was Doug Christie. That was Jay Will. Like, he did not want to be a part of those. He got small when it came to those big moments, right? So... I think Carl Anthony Towns is our generation's Chris Webber. And I would look to trade him if I was if I was Minnesota. I realize guys had a lot of loyalty, whatever. But like, why wouldn't you call Phoenix and be like, hey, we'll do Carl Anthony for DeAndre Ayton straight up. Cat and Booker are buds. Like, why not, right? I don't know how the contracts work, but I'm just thinking of it from how it would make sense for who to trade. Like, wouldn't that be great for both teams? I mean, Aiden is a little bit of a space eater in terms of, like, Ann Edwards, and you want to keep the the floor clear. But I feel like Edwards would throw Aiden lobs all day. Like, I feel like Aiden would work, would figure it out to work. He might be a little too slow for what Minnesota is doing, but whatever. I don't hate it. I I love doing the off-the-head play up trade suggestions. I'll, I'll probably hear from Shannon and be like, well, here's why this wasn't work. Because he, he did that for my New York Zion take with, 
which also Zion, but talk about a all time bad there in terms of Ewing theories because it's it's real. Um, Zion, by the way, I would put Zion or I didn't Zion New Orleans. I put New Orleans under under no. I put Memphis, then I go New Orleans. So that would be it. That's the list. Oh, where would I put and Utah? That would be it. I know Utah's two two, but Utah's no Utah's not good. Um, so I, that's that was the list right there. Look at that impromptu power rankings. I actually love that. That was fun. It's a good way to talk about it. All right, let's talk about the Brewers. Let's talk about IPAs, and then we'll ride out of here. All right, I was really impressed with the Brewers this weekend. We should not lose sight of what the Milwaukee Brewers did this weekend. Now they won two out of three against the Philadelphia Phillies. They keep winning. They had a really good win on Sunday, one nothing. Uh, Eric Lauer masterpiece, thirteen strikeouts for Lauer against. A Phillies team that absolutely crushed lefties to start the year. They've been so good against left-handers. They have the top OPS in baseball. I realize the sample size is short, but this looked like it could be a disaster for Eric Lauer. It was nothing of that. He had 13 strikeouts. He allowed five hits over six innings. He was really good. Uh, Freddie Peralta, after giving up a first inning run like first inning Fred does, he settled down on Saturday, on Friday. Hauser had a little bit of trouble early himself, but again, sort of settled in and was fine and didn't really have any issues going forward. And one of the things that is worth noting, and this is from my guy Kurt Hogg, who I have to have on the podcast. Kurt Hogg's great. Um, Brewers beat writer, must follow. Kurt, it's C-Y-R-T Hogg. On Twitter, in taking the series in Philadelphia, the Brewers not only pitched 15 scoreless innings to close it out, but didn't allow a homer all series to a lineup that includes Harper, Hoskins, Castellanos, Real Mudo, and Schwarber. That is a warning sign to the rest of baseball. All right? Like, this is how good... And they didn't even pitch Brandon Woodruff or Kerwin Burns. Think about that. Corbin Burns or Brandon Woodruff did not pitch in a series, and they did not allow a home run to any of those guys. All of those guys could potentially be top five in homers. I'm not saying they all will be, but you get my point, right? The Brewers really sent a statement here that they can be very special with their pitching, and they can just do enough offensively to make shit happen. I think what I like about this Brewers team is they seem to be stringing together bigger innings like, they're not necessarily just getting one one at a time, piecemealing runs. Like, look at that Saturday game. So they win 5-3. to three. They Again, that started kind of ominous. They were down 3 nothing early. But then in the fifth inning, they get four runs. And they string together those runs with a Jace Peterson single, an Adamas single, a Yelich single. And then Adamas steals home and Yelich steals second. For the Brewers to take the lead and the wheels just come off for Zach Ta- Zach Wheeler. I was going to say Zach Taylor. And then Hunter Renfro homers in the next inning. Hunter Renfro's been hitting well recently. He had a really good night in that one. He was three for four. So I think right now the Brewers are set up for a lot of success. I realize it's early. I know injuries can happen. But this Brewers team seems to have it. Like they seem to really understand what's going on here and it doesn't necessarily seem like it's slowing down Devin Williams was really good over the weekend he pitched well on Sunday he pitched well on Saturday so some of the fears that we had about Devin Williams were kind of not necessarily found right well he struggled on Friday didn't he I think he might have he might have gave up the lead in Friday's game no I don't think he pitched on Friday right and that is that accurate yeah he didn't pitch Friday so he struggled against 
Pittsburgh on, on Wednesday, and then he didn't pitch Friday. He had the day off. They did lose that game in the eighth inning. Uh, but I thought that was more of a managerial move. Like, I like Craig Council. You know, I'm not, I'm a Craig Council guy. We all know that. I just thought Craig Council, it took too long to get Boxberger in that game. They needed to get Boxberger in much earlier than what happened. Because if, if they don't... If they don't get box, if they get Boxberger in a little earlier there, they they might win that one. But yeah, I felt like Ashby was sort of left out to dry. They left it let Ashby go a little bit long, and then Boxberger gives up the two hits, and the Phillies were able to win four to two in that one uh, with getting three runs in that eighth inning after the Brewers couldn't hold hold that two one lead. But there there's a world where they would have swept the Phillies and they would did it all with pitching and. I think that's a massive point upward for this Brewers team. And I, and good stuff from Yalich, right, this weekend. Good stuff from Hunter Renfro. Not a great weekend for Rowdy Telez. I think he was hitless for this entire weekend. So maybe maybe you give Rowdy a day off. Let let Rowdy sort of recalibrate, if you will. Um, and and yeah, that's okay. Nothing, nothing wrong with, with a little day off here and there. But, yeah, I mean, they're – Oh, Yelich is only hitting 198-92, but the OPS is at 302, which is you, you'd like to see. So I also nice to see Jace, Jace Peterson get going a little bit. Um, I thought Jace Peterson did well. Um, and then, obviously, the Angel Hernandez stuff, which I'm sure people will talk about a lot. Angel Hernandez is always a prominent figure. Uh, was terrible tonight. We did not did not have a good outing uh, behind the plate. Kyle Schwarber gets kicked out of the game. It was pretty hilarious. Uh, all stats show that Hernandez did a really bad job. But I, I kind of loved the commentary from Omar Nervaez after the game because they asked him about him. Obviously, he's the catcher. And, uh, I, you know, I think Omar had a, had a really good quote. He, Omar Nervaez says this, Everybody saw the game. Everybody saw that he was at least consistent for both teams. I'm not going to say he was good because he wasn't. But at least he was consistent for both teams. Sometimes you just got to adjust and not leave it to the umpire. I think that's an awesome comment. Like, to me, that's a guy who understands it. That's a, that's a, but that's not just a guy. That's a team thing, right? They're not going to get bogged down in the bullshit. And I just think this team is really focused. And I've, I've been really impressed with the Brewers really since that sort of dip uh, two weeks ago against the Cardinals where they barely score any runs it seems like since last Sunday, this last week has been a really strong one for the Brewers. I mean, so if you were look at that, starting on that Sunday, you had the one, and then you had the one win, then you had the three, so four. Yeah, six of their last seven. Pretty good for since that Sunday. Six and one since that Sunday. That's good. That's good shit. It's gonna get gonna get stuff done. They have the Giants for one game at home uh, Monday, which is weird. Sucks that we're getting robbed a Carlos Rondon-Corbin Burns matchup, uh, but Burns will get the ball against that Giants team, who's good. Uh, the It'll be a bullpen game for the San Francisco Giants with Sam Long as their quote-unquote opener, uh, but the Giants have a very good bullpen, so runs will be hard to come by. That should be a very fun game. I don't necessarily think you'll get playoff atmosphere uh, on a Monday night in Milwaukee uh, with the roof closed. But if you make it out there, I would recommend it. I think if this game was be, I think I said this on Friday's show, so I apologize for repeating. But like if this game was a 640 start, I'd 100% be there. 
because uh, I think the Giants Giants are must see. They're they're a really good team, so that should be a fun challenge for the Milwaukee Brewers, and we'll talk about it on Tuesday's show. All right, to wrap up the podcast today, we're going to talk about IPAs, beers, the whole thing. So there was a Haro tweet out there today, or went viral. I saw yesterday. I saw it today uh, from a Reddit community I hang out in. And it said this. I called the guy a hardo for his comment. Let me pull it up. Dear microbreweries, maybe instead of your 12th double IPA, make a fucking Pilsner. So, and then there's all these guys who are talking about how they don't have, they don't like IPAs. Everybody's being a hater on the IPAs. And this whole sort of thing about that there's just IPAs and nothing else. First of all, you got to understand that not all IPAs are the same. All right. Every, there are different IPAs. There are different hops. Like I almost went as far this year and I didn't because I'm not this much of a fucking nerd. But I wanted to know like what hops I like, what hops I don't like. And like I wanted to like understand that, so when I'm buying IPAs, I don't buy the hops that I don't like because there are some IPAs that I just I don't enjoy, and that's nothing's worse than getting a beer where you don't enjoy don't enjoy it because you're like, what do I do with the next four beers? Like, how do I solve this? Because like I'll give a beer a second chance. Like I will never go one and done. It'd have to be really fucking bad before I'd just be like, all right, no. But yeah, I mean, it's like, all right, so in, in that scenario where you're like, okay, I don't like this, do you throw it out? Do you give it to somebody like as a gift where you're like, hey, I brought beers, and then you're just giving them your shitty beers, but then you kind of look like an asshole by giving them your shitty beers that you don't like. I I really do think there should be like a beer resale program. Like I, I, That to me seems like a million dollar idea to like have a resale market for beer. And be like, I'm selling this three pack of this IPA I didn't like. And this is why I'm selling it. And nothing wrong with it. Whatever. I'll sell it for 12 bucks. And then people could just come and buy it. Whatever. But I, I don't know. I don't know how you would how you would do that. Um, I think you would need to have like a storefront. And then people bring in their beer. And then you look up price. I don't know. Man. It's way too complicated. You can see my brain blanking. It's besides the point. First of all, yeah, there are a lot of different IPAs, all right? So you have your Juicy IPA, you have your West Coast IPA, you have your Hazy IPA, you have your New England IPA, you have your Rye IPA, like you have your Milkshake IPA, which is basically like juice. I mean, it's not necessarily an IPA. Like it's, it really is juice. A lot of people who like IPAs do not drink milkshake IPAs. They don't like them. There are sour IPAs, right? Like there are, there's the gamut of IPAs that are available. So that's to say like you, you can find something you like in the IPA category. And if you don't, most breweries are not just doing IPAs. Like I don't, I can't think of one here in Milwaukee that is aggressively IPA heavy. I will say my friends at Eagle Park, they do a lot of hazy IPAs. They do a lot of milkshake IPAs. They do a lot of New England IPAs. But I still think you have options elsewhere. Like you, they have sours available. They have a great series going right now that I really recommend about uh, 
different German beers. They are not German. It's like traditional like European beers. Like their Hells, which is German, is really good. Their Czech dark lager is great, as well as their Maybach. I just had the Maybach today. It was fantastic. I really liked it. Like they are doing a really like so that's to say like yeah they have a lot of IPAs but they're not just doing them right like uh, my friends at 1840 they'll put out IPA every now and again but last week there it was all Belgian beer it was a saison it was a table beer it was a triple right like those aren't IPAs none of those were IPAs okay so like they're not just putting out IPAs um, I'm trying to think of other examples of this like. It, it there isn't one I guess what I'm trying to say is like it, you're kind of head in the sand if you can't find a beer you like at a brewery and I also think breweries have done a really good job of like accommodating with like seltzers or you know even a non-alcoholic option if that you're not even into that but it's like make a fucking pilsner it's like dude there are pill there are a lot of craft pilsners like if I'll go on raise like a newsletter which is must have if you're a beer person here in this the city of milwaukee or the milwaukee area like they usually have some ipa options but they also have like stouts when now we'll get out of stout season now we'll enter into more of a sour season right and so it's like i understand that people want to complain but I, to me that man is just trying too fucking hard that is somebody who's trying to act like that ipas are only available in breweries they're not and, and if they are you just find another microbrewery. It's not hard. They're they're all over, right? It's not like oh shucks, I can't go to another another microbrewery that might specialize in sours or they might specialize in saisons, right? Like, what's to say that you know you can't find that, all right? Like, so quit your fucking bitching. That's that is really where I come down to um, because that there's much more than just IPAs, all right. That does it for the show. We'll, we'll be back tomorrow. Um, we are, I think we're going to do a draft pod with Merrith, kind of a wrap-up show. I owe you putting all the manifesto together, um, so I'll try to do that maybe before I head to the gym on Monday. So maybe I'll have that up for you guys as well. Um, also, too, we will maybe do a tapping the keg this week. I don't know. It's kind of a weird week because of the drafts happening, right? Um, Mitch and I, I think I would love to do if – the Bucks don't have to play the late game, which it might they might necessarily get the late game. I don't know because if it's they might actually get the NBA TV game uh, for Game Five because uh, if it's Brooklyn Boston for Game Five, that'll be your six, and then the Warriors now are your nine. So then I think the Bucks and Bulls would probably fall in the seven on NBA TV, right? That would probably be what happened. Um, so maybe Mitch and I do an after pod and and do the podcast after the game and. We'll talk about that and then go forward, but who knows? Um, so stay tuned there. And then, yeah, the draft. So we'll have a podcast uh, after the draft Thursday night. We'll try to get something up Friday night. I can't make any promises, but especially if the Bucks are playing plus the draft, we will definitely ha- try to have a full show. And then after Saturday, we will, that'll just be the Monday show. We'll just talk about the draft, talk about if we haven't talked about Bucks Celtics yet, we'll do Bucks Celtics. Um, but actually, yeah, if we're going to, if it's going to be, we'll figure it out. We'll just make it work. I, I will promise you there'll be a lot of content coming from your boy. More reason to follow Tabbing the Keg on Twitter or Tabbing the Keg Sports on Instagram or TikTok. It's probably a good week for it. All right, guys. 
Take care of yourself. Have a great Monday. Back tomorrow. See you. Bye.